Blog Talk Radio. A power is to oppress people, African power to the African people, and black power to black people. It's your brother, Chairman Yang and Krumah, coming to you again another Monday. Uh, people's Black Panther Party, Independence Black Talk Radio, all about the independence and fighting for our independence. Just coming with a Monday to rap in an exchange. And remember, like I always say, brothers and sisters, this is your radio program. It's an opportunity for you to share with us, for you to build with us comments, opinions, criticism, critiques, whatever. You just press one and you will be recognized. Um, I'm excited, like I am every Monday, about coming to us. But today's topic, we're going to be talking about the two Americas, the two Americas that exist. In my opinion, one black America and one white America. And some of you out there may feel differently. You may feel like that there are two Americas, that this is all in our mind, that this is all uh, of our own making. It's the way that we perceive things. But I personally believe that two Americas exist. And most of the Africans that I know here in America, if they don't know two Americans exist, they can at least from their treatment bear witness that there is a difference in the way that the African here in America, the black man and woman here in America is perceived as opposed to white Americans. We, this is why we say that the two Americas, that the, these two Americans, Americas must exist. And then you'll have the argument out there where people say, well, I'm not American, and that's a very valid point. It's a very good point. And if you take that point, please press one, come in, and we'll discuss that. And then you have the nationalists, the staunch nationalists that say, you know what? America does exist, that it was the blood of our people, our ancestors, our ingenuity from our inventions, our creativeness. It was, you know, our contributions to not just um, governing this country contributing to the writings of certain documents and things that govern this country, but contributions to defense of this country. What, the Tuskegee Airmen, the Black Panther Tank Battalion, and so on and so forth. Hell, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first people to die in the revolution in the revolution of this country was a black man, was Chris Chris Atticus. So a brother even was one of the first people to shed blood for this country's independence and its liberation. So those you have those nationalists, those stars nationalists who say, hey, you know what? We are. Does it mean that uh, we're saying that we uh, agree with the racism or that we believe in this capitalist system that governs and controls and exploits and oppresses people of color in this country? No, that's not what that's saying. But what it's saying is that you're not going to, and this is the opinion and views of some people, you're not going to shift us off somewhere without the fruits of our labor, without the contribution, the rewards from the contributions that we've placed in this country. And that is a valid point. The black man and the black woman, the African, which is a part of the African way anyway, whatever you give us, we make the best of it. So given the circumstances and the situation that we were placed in from the Mayapa, from the transatlantic slave trade, we made the best of it when we were brought here. 
But now it is time for us as an African people to realize and recognize that regardless of how long you are here, how long you have been in this country, regardless of the contributions that we made to this country under the current system, under a white supremacist, a white privilege, a white ruling class, a system that largely, a large part of it was designed to, in order for its functionality, in order for it to be continuous and to continue function, was designed to exploit you, to oppress you, to keep you subjugated, that you will never truly be accepted as an equal. It's not even a matter if they hate your black skin. See, we have to understand that. We say, we get those people that say, well, what about those well-intentioned, well-meaning white folk? What about those people, Yanga? It's not even a matter if in their heart it's racism, if there's some uh, hidden hatred for brothers and sisters, for people of African descent, that's not a matter. But what it is is any being, any intelligent being, understands or just succumbs to the natural, the natural desire to procreate and to survive, to do what it takes for its continuity, for its continuance. It's only natural. You've heard me rant and rave and go on and time and time again about how unnatural the African man and woman is here in America. So then this unnaturalness has allowed us not to, in our own advancement, not to be all in in our own struggle, to uh, keep going as a people. And that's not just physically. That's not just um, spiritually, but to keep going as far as race-wise, procreating. We've been attacked by everything between the black-on-black crimes and the influx of homosexuality in our community. Man, it's, it's, it's not looking very promising. The destruction of the black family is not looking very promising. A lot of it is largely due to these two Americas that we as black people have bought into. We, I mean, not, I don't even want to say bought into because we don't, a lot of us have not really sat down and thought about it and haven't seen the two Americas. We still largely buy into the American dream of individualism, of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, of material, of success being measured by your material possessions. We have bought into the dream of inclusivity, of rubbing elbows with these good white folks, of moving on up like the deficits. And buying into this has not only divorced us from an African culture, but has jeopardized us as a people. We are losing ourselves. We are losing ourselves. And the meantime, and the meanwhile, the world takes your culture as a pastime, as entertainment, the breaking, the music, the dress code, it's a fad. Your culture has become a trend. But the aspects of your culture have become a trend that the world puts on and off, takes on, puts on, and takes off like, <laughs> excuse me, like a costume. 
and we internalize the um, world's culture. And I'm even going to say this American culture because America is a hodgepodge of various cultures that have come together. And everybody has contributed their little thing to this so-called American culture. But the funny thing is they still retain their base culture and heritage. This is something that they're not going to give up. They still retain their base culture and heritage. And as we struggle to find our identity, we've bitten into this so-called American culture as a replacement for that which was lost. And an American culture is largely based on Eurocentric ideas, philosophies, diets, dress, behavior, and it isn't beneficial to African people. It's that simple. It is not beneficial to African people. And it wasn't designed to be. So how do we combat this? So how do we start to, one of our first missions, especially at the People's Black Panther Party, said one of the first things that we want to do is awaken the people to the fact that two cultures, two Americas do exist. And that us as African people belong to the disenfranchised America. We belong to the America that is exploited. We belong to the America that is oppressed. We belong to the America where you can be murdered for a traffic stop. We belong to the America that you're discriminated against for no other reason than that you're of African descent and the social cultural conditioning of America has made it such has made that the prevailing attitude and mentality of people towards you. And it's so ingrained that they don't even know why they do. Them white folks don't know why they're locking the door when you cross the street. They don't know why they have this fear of you. They don't know you personally. Never seen you before. But this attitude of, um, especially when it being pushed and promoted, that African people or black people in America are barbaric and savage is the prevalent attitude. So you start to get the actions or reactions from these people based on their social conditioning. And us as Africans go out of our way to appease these white people so that they will no longer fear us, so that they will no longer be intimidated by us, so they won't mistake us from racists or being prejudiced. We'll go so far and have some of you Negroes arguing with me. We're all human. You pull a Rodney King on me. Can we all just get along? Instead of understanding when this type of behavior is displayed that the best course for the African man and woman is to start to separate themselves. Oh, there he goes. There he goes. He's talking about separation. And what does this separation look like, Brother Yanger said? How are we going to separate ourselves we don't even get along in our own communities? The first separation isn't necessarily a physical exodus. It isn't necessarily us 
in our body and in our person getting up and leaving, though, that would be very great. But it is a separation of Eurocentric thoughts and beliefs. And when I say thoughts and beliefs, I'm not just talking about their religion or how you perceive religion through the um, European or the Eurocentric thinking, but I'm talking about a separation and exodus of how we view the world, the context context in which we view the world, being ever vigilant. See, this is the first thing of a revolutionary. A revolutionary must be ever vigilant. A revolutionary must question every step they take, every step. That's why it's tiring work to be a revolutionary. It's exhausting. It is mentally and physically exhausting because the revolutionary must examine every step that they take to make sure that this step or this thinking is not being influenced by Eurocentric mindset. That we're not behaving in a way that we've been conditioned to. And anything that's done over a period of time becomes a habit. Habits become your character. So a lot of us have been behaving a certain way for so long, and it's been passed down from our parents that our character has been Negroes and white people and black face, I call it. Some a little more extreme than others. But we have the audacity to call one another Uncle Tom, and in many instances, the one calling someone an Uncle Tom is an Uncle Tom themselves just not on that degree or level. But you can see it in the way that they interact with their neighbor. You can see it with the way that they interact with their family. You can see it with the way that they interact socially. You can see it in their spending habits. You can see it in their dietary practices. See the European influence. So the revolutionary is mindful that they're not taking on this Eurocentric, this white America mindset. So every step is thought out. Every step is calculated to take them in the direction of African empowerment. As you heard me say before, I'm more on ethic compass should be that of black liberation, black salvation. Black freedom. So if this is the standard that we're judging by, as a revolutionary understands this is the standard that they're judging by, then anything that is contrary to that should be questioned, 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 and re-questioned, and possibly even thrown out of there. We should get rid of it. Because this empowers that other America. See, When we talk about two Americas, we have to understand that one of these Americas, this white America, is empowered largely by our participation, our consent. You can't govern the people if the people don't consent to be governed. So white America is functional largely to our consent. What do I mean by our consent? Our consent meaning our participatory spending, our enacting 
their customs and their rituals. The way that we interact with one another in our own community. This is what I mean by our consent. This is how white America stays on top. Because we don't, we first haven't said that white America, the very existence of white America is criminal. That has the first thing that has to be understood. The very existence of white America is criminal from its inception, from the taking of the land, from the taking of the land to the cultivating of the land was criminal. So once we understand, once we say that white America is criminal, therefore we understand it's illegal, then in our mind that should at least, at the very least, start to put some um, realization to what it is. If you know someone's a criminal, if I constantly warning you about an individual that they're a thief, that they're kidnappers, that they're rapists, that they're liars, that they're robbers, you will be leery. You will be leery. If some of you didn't get vigilante-ish and take matters into your own hands, but at the very least, you would be leery of that individual that you were being warned against. So this is the first thing that we have to understand about white America. White America is a criminal enterprise. It was founded on criminality, and it was maintained by even more crimes against humanity. And so those of us that are righteous people and moral people should want to separate, if nothing else, from that. Even if it isn't in a lot of you Negroes' minds, separation from white and black, you should at least want to separate from immorality. You should want to be far away from that thing that which is unjust, that thing that stinks, that has the stench of unjustice, of being unjust and unrighteous. Once we do that, then we have to say, okay, so if America is founded on criminality, what is black America founded on? What is a black America? That forces us to start to have to defy the conditions that we live in in this land. If white America is this, what is black America? What was black America founded on? What are the precepts and the principles that it was founded on? And we can start to examine them. Founded on misery. It was founded on suffering. It was founded on displacement, on confusion, on anguish, on pain, on chaos. The history, the founding of black America here is a, is a history that bears witness to two things. One, it bears witness to the strength because black America was also founded on Founded on those things, but it was founded on also what it brought out. It, it, it bears witness to the testament to the strength and the will of a people. So though it was founded on these 
most horrendous thing it brought out. What did it make the black American? What did it make the African and American? We know what black America is. It is not a place that we wish to remain in black America. But what is the African that was born here in America? See, it's source that we must address this character, this magnificent, dynamic creature that overcame obstacles, that overcame some of the most challenging obstacles that any human being could find themselves under. Mothers and fathers separated from their children, husbands and wives, murder, mayhem, rape, and kidnapping. And yet we still found a way to make it through and to persevere. So it developed a strong character, but the concept of black America is created in such a manner that it is here to uh, to box in this greatness of the black American. To sap and take those things out of the community of the black American. Black America is here to offer the illusion of a dream so that we will always want to build into this black America without knowing that it's a black American. Now, remember this. We don't understand that there's two Americans because black America let them tell it does not exist. You're American. This is what they'll tell you. You're American. So black America does not exist, according to them. But we see that it does, based on the treatment. So what the this dynamic being, this African here in America, this new African that has emerged like the phoenix, from the flame and the ashes of black misery, pain, anguish, and suffrage, has to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to claim my destiny. I'm going to take control since you have created that America for me. Since you have separated me. Since you have done this, then why would I be foolish enough to beg myself on you? to throw myself on you, beg-ins and the sit-ins and the cry-ins, that why would I be foolish enough to beg you to accept me? And it's not me that you accept, but only my ingenuity and my labor, my money, my time, my energy, my efforts to build up your criminal enterprise. This is what has to be asked of ourselves. When we're looking at the two Americas. So the two Americas. This is what I'm sorry, my phone went. This is what we have to so the 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 black man and the black woman should say, since this is our plight, since this is what you want, then it would only be natural for us to start to develop and cultivate 
those things that will empower us. We must stop being disillusioned. Stop being under the pretense that these two Americas don't exist, that you're going to do something so profound, that you're going to do something so noble, that they're going to accept you. You are not accepted. It's that simple. There's nothing complicated about it. Yet and still, you go out of your way continuously to be accepted into this America that was not founded for you. It is an America of white privilege. It is an America of white entitlement. So you say, Brother Yanga, what can we do about it? We can start with the simple steps, and that is start to claim our destiny. Start to be responsible and accountable. Like I said, the first step is understanding that this is a criminal enterprise and separating yourself from those things that are unjust and just and unmoral, that are unethical. And once you do that and understanding that it's a criminal enterprise and you stay away from those things, then you will start to want to build uh, systems that counter that. If it's unrighteous, you want to build a righteous system. And how do you say, well, what is unrighteous? How how will we know what their unrighteousness is? Their unrighteousness is anything that they do. Anything that they do is unrighteous. It's not going to come out of this so-called America. They are not going to jeopardize their way of life for some so-called human rights or because they had a change of heart. And this is just the simple truth of it. So the African here in America must start to really and look at separation. We must seriously take a look at separation separating ourselves from them totally and completely. And we understand that it's a process. So then we must begin that process, and that process begins within you. The process begins within you. Stop the destructive behavior to yourself. Stop the destructive behavior to yourself, and once you stop the destructive behavior to yourself, you will find that that will start to spread. Your mind will clear up. You will begin to start to think in your natural state, which is an African, and an African is naturally given to communalism. And as you begin to start to think in this communal state, you will start to see your brother and sister as an extended part of your family, as a community. And you will move away from the ideology and the philosophy of I hate that nigga. It will become harder and harder for you to see an enemy in any one of African descent because you would have to sort of begin to separate yourself from that Eurocentric thinking. You don't think you think like a European? You really honestly don't believe you think like a white man or a white woman. 
when you're constantly bombarded with those images, America has done such a thorough job of their propaganda and their white privileged rhetoric that we don't even see it anymore. It's like the rape victim becoming so accustomed to being raped that they mistaken it for love. Oh, he loved me. Or the wife being abused has been abused so much that they be, she begins to blame us. Oh, I did make it. I did piss him off. This is the power that white America has it has exhibited. This is the power that white America has over us. That they have been so good in their crimes against the African in America and so consistent and thorough in their programming that we have. And not only have we accepted it, we went from the age during the civil rights movement, during the push for integration, is when we were saying that we accepted it. I mean, honestly. That's when we said we accepted it. White America's crimes against us. Here you had the civil rights movement. It wasn't a good 80, 90 years ago. It wasn't even a good 100 years ago. We were just being, we were just sharecroppers. Being robbed of the little land we did have. We can even go back for it in with slavery. Let me show you how dirt white America is. They so-called freed you. And myself, us as African people in America, they freed us, but didn't give us a free man's options. What are the options of a free man? If you so-called free a man, and when I say man, I mean man or woman. When you free that man or woman, you give that individual, that man or woman, an opportunity. You say, hey, listen, you can go back to the place of your origin. You have that right. You're free now. You can go back to the place of your origin. Or you can go off and start your own place. Or you can become a part of our civilization, a part of our society, with the rights of citizens of our society. The African man and woman here in America was given that option. Brought here against your will. Kidnapped. Your name stolen your language taken, your culture and your heritage gone, not given that option, and allegedly freed but forced to be a citizen of the very place that enslaved you. Now you explain to me how that's freedom. I wasn't even given the choice, and I think that if most Africans had been given that choice, they would have opted to get the hell away from these crackers. They'd have got long gone. So we didn't, we weren't given the choice. And they segregated us. And they segregated us. Meaning, what was this segregation? This segregation, it wasn't separation, but it meant that someone else controlled the resources. Someone else controlled what you, where you went, what you did. How you did it. That was the segregation. 
and even through the segregation, us being an African people and being still having remnants of our African nature, formed communities, and in a lot of cases and instances, formed thriving communities. So we survived. They come with, they understand, here we go again. Black folks for you. We're buying into this American dream. We've been into the American dream so long. We've been beaten so much as slaves. We were beaten silly. Silly enough to want to become equal with our oppressor. We wanted the very people who behaved horribly towards us, who perpetrated and committed the worst acts in human history against any human being. We wanted to intermingle with them. We want them to accept us. We 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 love. We not I don't hate nobody. Just a hundred years prior, sold your mother, sold your father, beat and killed your children, but you love them. Oh, you love these white folks, and you begged and sat in and got spat on. They got water holes and had dogs sicked upon you so you could sit down at one of their counters and spend your goddamn money with a cracker. You went through all the brutalization so that you could take your black dollar out of the black community and spend it with a white boy or a white girl. Yeah, you were beat silly. Slavery had beat you silly. that you fought to be a part of this white America, that you cried part of white America. Slavery had beat you silly, and it had beat you so, so you went through the integration, so much so that they even in the South had the governor standing in the schools didn't want your black butt in the schools. What did he say? Segregation now, segregation forever. Where's the segregation yesterday, today, and forever? They didn't want to intermingle with you. They didn't want to force yourself on them. You bugaboo. You forced yourself on white folks. You cried until they had, into the government. Had to make them accept you. And they did that. And even after you 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 forced them to accept you, they still showed you that they didn't want you. You still bit into the American dream. So you figured if you went to their schools, maybe if I talk like them, maybe if I sort to straighten my hair, maybe if I get the lighter contact. Maybe if my skin was a little lighter complexion. Maybe if I shaved. Maybe if I did this. To emulate them in every form and fashion, I would be a full-blooded American. And even then, no. Hell. Before they let you do that, they brought their own immigrants. They, 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 they shipped in white boys, Irish and Italians. They shipped in 
more white people on your butt. You still weren't accepted. Immigrants that came over to this America had more rights than you did. You've been here all your damn life. Italian didn't even come over here and speak English, spoke Italian, and still was accepted faster than you were as a, a, a person of African descent. But that's okay, folks. If I worked hard and prayed real hard, one day I would be American. Instead of embracing what you had amongst your people, the talent, the resources, amongst your people right there in your community to rebuild. You didn't do that. And we find that today. We find that today. We find our people still believing in this so-called American dream, still refusing that to believe that two Americas exist, still unwilling to come together under the banner of black nationalism, to pull their resources, to be accountable in their spending, to start to develop a strong African-centered culture that is not only reflective of our heritage in Africa, where we came from, but also our great contributions from right here, from our ancestry right here on the shores of North America. We still run to these white folks. We still begging white people to accept us. Still feel something when white people give us a pat on the shoulder and tell us, good job. You love to look at them crackers' faces. Have some devil smiling at you, some white boy smiling at you. I get scared when they smile at me because I know the crackers are cannibal. I don't know if you want to eat. Don't smile at me. Don't make me feel comfortable. Hell, when I see them crossing the street, I lock my door. History bears witness that the worst crimes perpetrated against African people were by white people. Well, it was black-on-black crime. What about black-on-black crime? Hey, I'd rather get shot than dissected and ate Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, the Unabomber. Eric Rudolph, y'all do some of the craziest shit. Timothy McVeigh. White people, what's the white boy that went in the church and shot nine people? Can't even pray anymore. White people are insane. Because this white America has given them that sense of entitlement. And we help to contribute to that by constantly sucking and jiving. We can't do nothing without them. And open up programs to help our little black boys and our little black girls. We haven't taken the initiative to start to do for self, to begin to do for self. Even though the progress, the process rather, is tedious and long, taking the initiative to do for ourselves. It comes a time where we have to say that this uh, white America is detrimental to the development 
of the African mindset and the African construct and the building of strong African institutions that the two can't, like they're saying, is scientifically, mathematically impossible for two solids to occupy the same space at the same time. So separation is really the only key. Separation is really going to be the only success for people of African descent here. And like I said, if we can't physically do it now, it starts with the self, it starts with the mental, it starts with the emotional. We can start small, begin to start to live in the same communities. But like I said, you first have to see the, the, this criminal institution, America, as a criminal institution. We have to see it as a criminal institution. And to the end, and only to the end. I'm sorry. And only to the end will we, will we begin to deal with it justly. Will we start to do the things that it takes to develop this, this strong black America? if that's what we want to call it. But we have to divorce ourselves. We have to divorce ourselves. It's imperative. It's isn't about hating anyone. We're not teaching hate. Far from that. It's not about hating any group of people. It's about loving yourself enough to want to see that your race continues. And in order to do that, in order to really see where we have to go or things that it's going to take to achieve those goals and objectives, we have to shake our people. Like I said before, white America has done a number on you, brothers and sisters, on myself too, but we're awakening. I said the People's Black Panther Party are awakening. It has done a number on us. It has got us to accept the very people who have placed us in this condition. They said, oh, Yanga, that was years ago. I didn't have anything to do with that, people, buddy. I didn't have anything to do with that. But you benefit, if not directly, indirectly, from the atrocities that were perpetrated against my people just like I suffer. Hell no, you didn't have anything directly to do with slavery, just like I wasn't a direct slave under the, under the form of chattel slavery, but you and I both are affected by the history of this country. And there's no way around it. So for me to say that all is well would be a disgrace and a travesty to the memory of my ancestors to what they had to go through, to their perseverance and their fortitude to survive that. It would be a travesty, and I refuse to dishonor my ancestry like that. Just like they have a problem, you have a problem 
with the flag being burned? Terrorists, what about the people who die? You have a problem with the flag being burned? Well, that should be a problem with us as people of African descent. Even people of African descent saying that it's okay to to be uh, to integrate or to be cool and complacent within society. Within society. But that's how beat down we have been. And when we teach our children not to be cool and complacent, when we teach our children about the atrocities that had happened to our ancestry, to their ancestry, to their people, they say you're teaching your children hate. You're teaching your children hate when you don't teach them the truth. Not only are you teaching your children hate, it's child abuse. That's what it is, it's child abuse. It's like if I see a lion laying in the bush and I don't warn my child that the lion is in the bush and I tell him go play. In fact, I throw the ball in the bush with the lion for him to pounce and devour my young. And this is what we do. Go get a job, be successful, work here, be a this, be a that, but not teaching them without teaching commitment and obligation and responsibility to the race that they belong to. It's a crime. It's a shame. But this is what we do. And when, you know, the children come along and they hear my children, I hear no children talking strong, asking, centered philosophy and ideology and anything in African play and, and strong African-centered music and culture and art, they become fearful. You want to know what you're teaching your child. Why are you teaching your child to hate? This is what they, they begin to say. Why are you teaching your child to hate? They want to know what you're teaching this child when you teach your child these things. But you're teaching your child that, in order to survive, you must understand your habitat. You must understand the place that you live in and that two Americas do exist, one white American, one black America. And they must understand why the contrast between the two and how one exists by feeding off the other, how white America exists by feeding off black America, and that this dream of total uh, inclusion is just that a dream. It is just that a dream that they will never be accepted fully as a citizen. That they will always have a regulated role under the current system in America. So then we must begin to cultivate a desire for self-sufficiency in our children, not only cultivate that desire for self-sufficiency, the independence and freedom, but give them the tools to be able to implement that. 
hence the cognitive thinking courses that we have, the leadership, uh, the leadership training courses that we must develop. That when our children do go to school, and even whether it be these Ivy Leagues or what, we have to have programming that counters the programming, that social cultural programming of white America. It must counter the social cultural programming of white America so that they only go get the technical from it and come back and give it to their people because they must be told social cultural, the African social cultural, that you have a responsibility and obligation to the continuation of the people, that that is not a choice in the matter, that that is a right of your ancestors upon you. For had our ancestors succumbed, which I know a lot of instances, it would have been so much easier just to succumb, just to say, okay, had they not put up a fight, then we would still find ourselves in chains. This is why I don't like those book things. We ain't our grandparents. Man, how disrespectful. We ain't our ancestors. How disrespectful. We've always launched a resistance movement. It just varied and evolved as time passed. But there would have been no Panthers. We must understand that the black power movement was birthed out of the civil rights movement. This is what kills me by us not doing our study, that we, it is evolution. Badass Kwame Toure, Stokely Carmichael, Snick. Big bad brother Jamil Abdullah Alameen was H.R.I. Brown, a snake. Brother Baba Mukasa Ricks, who coined the term black power, was Willie Ricks out of Snick. Oh, SNCC, Student for Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And as time progressed, they evolved. So how dare we defame and belittle the struggle and the contributions of our ancestors? It's ridiculous. They understood, they addressed the issues as they as they came and Though I'm not an integrationist, I don't believe in integration, but we would have never known that integration was a farce had it not been for those brothers and sisters who tried to integrate. And they found out, regardless of how hard you tried, you would never be accepted. And it was wasted energy and effort. Yeah, I question it. Like I said before, I question any people who want to be equal with their oppressor. I question anybody, the blows of slavery had to be so effective that we have really forgotten what was done to us as a people. You still got Jews hunting Nazi war criminals. You couldn't have been a Nazi officer back then. They're still holding tribunals, finding old Nazi war criminals. And we've forgotten what happened to us. Am I saying go hunt war criminals? No, because it's just their court. But what at least what it should do, it should fuel the desire for self-sufficiency. It should point as a reminder 
that we as African people can't rely or depend on any other people but ourselves. And once we understand that, that we can't rely on any other people but ourselves, then we will begin the training and program that it takes for us to be self-sufficient. We will begin that. We will start to not only reach out to our brothers and sisters who who have the skills we should reach out to black doctors and not just reach out for them, but we do the work of providing places that it on the very least weekends we can set up health screenings. What are some of the biggest health issues to play the black community? If it's nothing but some of you nurses and nurses aides out there and people with some health training set up free blood pressure testing, why hypertension is a very big issue in the black community. Let's address the health, really start to, be, because we, once we have this proper understanding of white America and black America and the roles of the two, we'll begin to do the things that remove us from the shackles. We'll begin to do the things to wake up the masses of people, to show them that there is no such thing as an American dream for the black man and the black woman here in America, that that dream has to be created from amongst us. that we have to do for self. That that dream has to be created from amongst us because we have to do for self. That's the only way to survive and and, and get out of, and once we do that, but our, our people have to be shown this. They have to see it. And it is not an easy fight to awaken our people, to awaken the people that have been beat into a social, cultural coma. We didn't voluntarily walk in this this mess. We've been beaten to a social, cultural coma. And sometimes, what's the old adage? Ignorance is bliss. A lot of times, it's, it's, it's easier to be ignorant. It takes too much responsibility to be independent and self-sufficient. It's easier to be ignorant. It's easier to be a reactionary for some of these revolutionaries. I would, listen, I get on Facebook and I look at the Facebook and sometimes I wonder, and this is just coming real, this is your national chairman sharing with you, Chairman Yanger, your brother though, we rapping as comrades, brothers and sisters. We're just having to, sometimes I think it would just be easier to join one of these formations, grab my rifle and stand in line. Take a few pictures. I'm mad too, hell. Because they look good. But in the long run, I ask myself, and this is not a slight on any party, what are we trying to develop for the long term? How is this contributing to an infrastructure that will be empowering and liberating for African people? That's where the test comes in. How do I awake the masses of people to get them to participate in their own self-determination, to come away from this so-called American dream, to think that if they keep contributing and putting in and laboring and bleeding and sweating and crying and begging, 
that they will never be accepted and those efforts will be better rewarded amongst their people. Maybe not immediately, maybe not as rapidly with white America, what you perceive to be a reward from white America. But in the long run, you're better rewarded. But we've sold our souls. That's what that means, man. You sold your soul to the devil. Not your literal soul. You sold your Jane Brown soul, baby. You sold your blackness. You sold that thing that will, that, that, that bond, that thing that makes everything groovy, that's right on between us. You sold that depth, that handshake, that look that you feel me, brother. You sold that for mere trinkets, for the illusion of success, for a hope that you will be counted in America, really white America, but that is only your ticket in black America because that's what the black Americans do. You're the consumer, not the producer. They teach black America, they teach white America to be the producer to be the distributor, to be the owner, the proprietor, the caretaker, the real big chief. And they teach the black and black America with a consumer. So everything is consumer-based. The more materials, the more success, the better dress, the more name brand, the more successful you must be. The bigger the house, you must be successful. The bigger the car, you must be successful. That's black America, consumerism, materialism. Your America is not their America. Your America is not their America. Shit, if you, I challenge for my brothers and sisters that want to have a white America, then if you're going to do that, then emulate a white America. Be the producer. Be the owner. Don't emulate their morals and ethics. Don't be the exploiter. Don't be the oppressor. Don't be the brutalizer. See, but all of that goes hand in hand when you're living in a capitalist system. See, white America is based on the exploitation and oppression and brutalization and terror of a lower class. So you can't, so you can't possibly fit into that white America. So you must create a world of your own. You have to create a nation of your own, and you and I can do it. We possess the capabilities, the ingenuity, the resources. We possess those things. It's just waking up to how do we work cohesively? How, what is our model? What is the boom What is the reasoning? for our uniting and bringing these things together to make that, to bring our nation into fruition. And you and I may not see it. We may see the steps towards it in our lifetime because we're older, so that means we have a lot more junk to get out of our heads and our hearts and our souls. We have a lot more to purge from us, but our youth, but our youth have the opportunity. We see that spark of intellect in them. Now let's teach them a social responsibility and obligation to their people. If we can just start doing that, that's another step. That's the second step. And we're getting closer. The journey of a thousand miles starts with one footstep, brothers and sisters. 
So that's the second to get closer. Pull them back from this illusion of being American. Pull this back from this individual thinking. Be successful. Get you a good job. Don't do this. Don't do this. Pull them back from thinking individualistic. Don't raise them to be fools. I'm not saying raise your children to be foolish. They have to be ever vigilant because we have to teach them. All our skin folks ain't our kin folks. Some of these Africans, baby, I tell my baby, some of these Africans are niggas. So let us take what a nigga with us. Some of my niggas, daddy, yeah, some of my niggas, those are the Africans that have bought into this American dream, that they don't care about stabbing you in the back, that they don't care about capitalizing, you see, capitalism, capitalizing. We have to find ways to teach our children. They don't care about capitalizing off a mistake or a misstep or a slip. Our children have to be informed. And they have to be, and and we must teach them that wisdom. But we, I think that we fail in that area in a lot of instances. We shelter our children. We allow our children to be cogs in a machine. We never really fully give them this. We don't give them that, so they just go through life. But there's nothing wrong, and that's because we haven't gotten past the psychological manipulation and brainwashing, conditioning as a people that we went through. So even in our teaching of our children, we we tend to start to question, am I being racist? Am I being too black? Am I overdoing it? Am I going overboard? We begin to question ourselves, and we start to pull up and let back on the teachings. And a lot of our teachings, unfortunately, a lot of our teachings in our communities, in this this black America, as we think that our escape is going to come through and uh, a super cultural nationalist aspect. All of that's fine for a sense of self-worth, for a a a tie to some type of identity. I'm comedic, I'm this, I'm that. All of that's fine. It's beautiful. That's wonderful. We should have those healthy self-images, and we should know the origin of a lot of things, and especially us, the African people. But if we think that salvation will be found because we have automatically learned how to read a hieroglyph, or that we have traced the origin back to something that we're sadly mistaken, that our salvation will be found through our technological advancement and our understanding on how things are functioning and running, on how to organize, on how to perform certain tasks. We need doctors. We need school teachers. We need mechanics and electricians. We need all of these things. Because the, the, the fact of it is, we won't be a part of white America. That is a fact. We will, they will never accept us as a part of white America. 
But the fact of it is you were born here on the shores of North America. So you must learn to function. So you learn to function. That's what we've done that our ancestors hadn't done. Our ancestors were so African and understood African principles. They were so closer to the nature of African that they that Africanism in them couldn't be destroyed. So that African energy, because you can't destroy energy, you see, so that African energy was put into other things. You gave us Christianity. Okay, we'll take that. And we found our salvation. We found our peace of mind. I don't know. They gave us Christianity. They they did this. They, when that back was, when that whip was falling on their back and the sun was 120 degrees outside and their hands were bleeding for picking cotton. Yeah, they called him the Lord, Lord, Lord. It gave them their sanity. And me being a person that believes in their acknowledgement would be a fool to knock that thing that carried them through. Lord, Jordan, Jordan River. And we were so in Ingenious, and we were so ingenious that we put codes in our songs. Swing low, sweet chariot, go this way, go that way, wade in the water so the dogs can't smell you. Wade in the water so the dogs can't take you. We were that ingenious. That was that Af- that African nature that, despite what you put on us, you will you will not crush and quell our spirit. So this is what we did. And we, as we evolved, we understood that we were in a foreign place. We understood that in order to survive, certain compromises had to be made. I see your big, bad soldiers out there, and I salute you. I would have did how to maintain my Africanism. You'd have been a dead damn African. And, and for some of us, that was a good escape. You had those that jumped over the ship. So I'm not knocking that. But I won't belittle and downgrade our ancestors who did what they had to do to survive. I wouldn't be here talking to you to this day. We wouldn't be having this talk. So we must understand that we are here. It doesn't mean to give up on our struggle. It means we must evolve. We must take the bullshit that they have given us, the doo-doo dumped on us, the crap placed on us, and turn that shit, turn that crap into fertilizer and grow. Shit is a fertilizer. That's what something my father always says, Chairman Carl. Put bullshit on you, it's fertilizer. So we take that and we, and we use that to our growth, and that's how we grow. The mighty oak coming from the bullshit. So right now, that's forced on us. Okay. Okay. But I won't let it cow me. I won't let it bolt my back. I won't let it break me. I will persevere. I will have fortitude. I will continue. 
and I won't let it get me to a point where I'm so beat down that I'm, yes, America, please let me be part of white America because I know you don't accept me. So I'll take these things and send my children to your institution if I don't have my own institution offering that same technology or offering that same education. And I'll send my child to that, but I will have these social, cultural institutions, these institutions that teach my children the responsibility and obligation to their black people, and they will learn that technological advancements and sciences and certain maps and things that you hold for your own, these Ivy League, and come back and build. Because I will teach them when you come to recruit them that that white America is a farce that there is no such thing as individualism, that there is no success by yourself, son, daughter, that that is a trick, that the wolf wants to devour the lone sheep when they're away from the flock, when it's away from the shepherd. They call it lures you. It's appealing. And you go to it and you get devoured and gobbled up. So we must have these things, and then we tell them that you go get these things so we can come back and we can establish institutions where we no longer have to send our children to these institutions, these white American institutions, these institutions that teach a black inferiority. That's what white America does. It teaches black inferiority. They have to if it teaches white supremacy. If white is supreme, then everything else is inferior. It's only natural. But there again, we've been so beat into a social coma that we don't believe that. They say, Chairman Yanga, you trip it. That's old, brother. That's that's that slave man. That old. How many years ago that happened, my nigga? Niggas ain't on that no more. And why not, nigga? Because you suffer from the effects of it, just like they benefit from the effects of it. How do you think these companies are in existence? How do you think this country became one of the superpowers in the world? If you had four, five hundred years free life, if I had a business and can work me somebody for six months without pay, I'd be ahead of the game. No benefits, no pay, no nothing. Work you literally to death. How do we forget this? How have we as African people really forgotten that? And it not bother us. How? It amazes me. It is one of the most baffling things that I've encountered. We can, we go to the extremes to show our oppressors that we're not racist people. That we're so accepting and forgiving of anything that has happened to us. When they should be apologizing to us. It's crazy. 
I'm sorry to put my. They should be apologizing to us, but this is the effect of what they've done. They make you feel bad for being the slave. They make you feel bad for the crimes perpetrated against you. They make you go out of your way to show them that you mean them no malice, no harm. And we fall for that trick when they should be on their knees apologizing for the atrocities, apologizing for the crime, not just for us, but to every people of color that they perpetrated it against, the Native Americans, the Spanish, the Mexicans, now the Mexicans, formerly the Azteca people. They should be apologizing for their bloodthirstiness, for their crimes against humanity in the form of rape and genocide, robbing the people of their social, cultural, and economic heritage, their language, their customs and traditions, to where you create something called a nigger. That is a travesty. Where you actually have created something called a nigger. The strangest phenomena in the world, you and I. The strangest phenomena in the world, you and I. Think about it. Go anywhere in the world, even from amongst people of color, they have some sense of culture, some sense of Heritage, even if they were former slaves, the Haitians, the Jamaicans, the Dominicans. But you and I, the black man and woman here in America, are still fishing for an identity, still fishing for some sense of communal living and some sense of cohesiveness. We're still fishing. We've been niggerized. And we've been so victimized and so beat to insanity that we are actually begging and pleading, begging. The civil rights movement showed us we actually begged and sat in to spend our money with our oppressor. I want you brothers and sisters to think about that. To think about that, that we have been so psychologically fucked that we beg a people who have committed crimes against our person, against our ancestry, against us as a people to accept us, to allow us to live with them, to eat with them, even to marry them, to breed with them. We beg. We beg so much that the government had to intervene and said, give these crying-ass niggas the right, please. I'm tired of them watching, marching on the White House lawn. I need them out of my front yard. Please let them spend that black dollar with us, please. And even with all of that, you still had white people that said, no, no. 
these white people who held to that position in many white circles and in white America are held and praised as heroes, cultural vanguards. I live down here in Atlanta where they got the Sons of the Confederacy, the states flying flags of repression. Georgia changed there probably from the um, influence of Atlanta, which is predominantly black. But when you go in a lot of these southern states, they still fly that flag and hail these clan founders and murderers and rapists, domestic terrorists, and cultural heroes. Southern hero, yeah. We still, the nation still honors slaveholders. Monuments to slaveholders. And then you and I come along and say black nationalism, black people unifying and collectively pulling their resources and practicing Accountable spending. You're a hater. You and I come along and say this. We say, let us stick together. We're not even talking about doing any physical violence to any other people or destroying buildings or any terrorist act against this nation. We're saying, let us come together with the money that we have earned, that we work for, and let us spend collectively, responsibly. Let us support businesses that support our community, they say, hater, racist, black hate, black supremacy. And we, commemor- we commemorate and celebrate the birthday of slaveholders, of rapists and robbers, kidnappers, criminals. Only we got Columbus Day. I don't know if we have done the history on Columbus, a pedophile. A murderer, a madman. We have a whole day. We have a whole day commemorating this. And you and I say, let us get together. Let's not spend with them or do this and whatever. And then they come in and say, hey, and if they can't stop the flow, if they can't stop the anger, how do they stop the black nationalist movement? White America is crafty, brothers and sisters. White America is crafty. White America gives you a movement. White America tells you something you already knew. White America comes back and tells you something you already knew. White America comes back and says, you're right, black lives matter. That's right, brother. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. We hear your place. Black lives matter. I knew black lives matter. I'm black. I mean, my life always matters to me. It didn't matter to you. Why do I have to tell you that black lives matter? Don't you black lives matter. And it becomes one of the most prolific and profound movements. It becomes, it starts to catch this momentum and you see it everywhere. And it's black lives matter. White Americans craft. Let's show them black lives matter by living our black lives collectively. By black lives doing for self, by black lives building black communities, by black lives raising black families and teaching black children and building black institutions and having black businesses, 
then you will see Black Lives Matter. Because that's what matters to white America. That's what matters to white America. The black man and black woman has become so emotional. We become so absorbed and consumed that we we want to appease their emotional side, and you have to understand that you're dealing with a people that are primarily dealing that they that their primitive thing is about survival of their race. They're individualistic, not only in their individual lifestyles, but as a race of people, they believe in individualism and the individual race, a supreme race. So their primary focus is the continuation of their race. And they will do that by any means. See, we say any means necessary. Because Brother Malcolm said it, by any means necessary. But they are the actual embodiment of by any means necessary. And when an immoral people tell you by any means necessary, you better look out. You better look out. When an immoral people, with a people with no conscience, you don't believe me. Like I told you, their job is so good they got you fearing Black-on-black crime. Black-on-black crime is true. They got you scared of black people. And you go in white people's face every day smiling, and they're smiling at you. Like I said before, don't smile at me. History bears witness that y'all been cannibals. I don't know if you're looking to eat me or not. I've seen your Jeffrey Dahmers and your Charles Mansons and your Unabombers and your Timothy McVeighs and your Eric Rudolphs. You're, no, 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 I forget the white boy that went into church. Your crimes are on the most severe. Yeah, I take my chance of getting shot than being in somebody's freezer. Yet we've been a number's been done so well on us that we're actually comfortable in their presence. Don't you study history? You're comfortable. You're comfortable in their presence, and the only way that you're not comfortable in the presence is not because that Caucasian makes you uncomfortable, but because your African nature makes you uncomfortable. You question yourself. You ask yourself, am I too black? Am I not pronouncing my words right? Do I got too much swag in my lean when I glide and I stride? Got you second-guessing yourself. To be around. That's when you know a job has been done on you. That's why it's imperative for us to create this, come out of this, trying to be a part of white America, to create this cultural, this system, this social system where our children don't have to suffer from this. I used to hear my mother talk on the phone when when when, when her job called or when white people called. And she would tell me to be quiet. Be quiet, I got to talk in my white people's voice, my business voice, my professional voice. And she would take on this whole other alter ego, a different persona. And as I got older and was reading and studying, I had to cry for my mother because I found out that that's called schizophrenia. Black people are forced to practice schizophrenia. 
we're forced to create alter egos, totally different personalities to adjust to this society, to be functioning in this society. You must create a whole nother, you're like Batman, Superman. You got a whole nother alter ego, a whole nother character. It's crazy. Not only have you brutalized us physically, not only did you kidnap us and disconnect me in the worst way from my relatives in Africa, from all that I was in Africa, because you and I, brothers and sisters, still have bloodline, DNA ties to people in Africa that you may never know. So not only did you commit this, against me, but you, you, you forced me after you've taken me from my people and taken me and disconnected me from who I really am. Now you forced me to create a whole alter ego that you're comfortable with. You got me so shook, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. So this is why it's imperative for us to create a system and a society that our children can thrive in, that they can reach their absolute fullest potential, that they can be all they can be, that they can think outside the box. We will be surprised how much we limit our children's ingenuity, their imagination, their being them and their what they could possibly con- contribute to civilization because we don't allow them to be natural. Because to be a natural African male or female is shunned upon. It's looked down upon. So we limit, we begin to limit our children's development. And they don't develop naturally, but they become incorporated into something other than that dynamic African personality that exists inside of them. This is the danger. This is what we have to be careful of. That we don't out of our that out of our fear, out of our social condition, that we alter and hinder the natural development of our children. And a lot of it is uh, you know, from uh, from sincerity. A lot of it is out of sincerity and the care for our children. We saw this through slavery. We saw that dynamic. We saw the feminization of the black male through that, and it wasn't necessarily always done by white men, but by our black women, and not intentionally. That mother didn't want to effeminize her son. She didn't want to change the very nature of a male into something soft and passive, but she had been so traumatized. She had been so psychologically damaged from what she was forced to watch and what she was forced to see 
that in order to save her son's life, which is a very natural instinct for a mother to want to protect their children and save their children, in order for that to happen, she she began to tell him not to look master directly in the eyes. Don't say anything. Be cool. Don't talk back. Allow this and that to happen. And this is what preserved his life or her life. So it, 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 it wasn't by a design, but this is what we were facing. So we have to get back to those things that empower us and make us strong. And make us stronger human beings. Stronger, and not just stronger human beings, but a stronger African people. And that's the only way that we will make it and we will survive. So, my brothers and sisters, with that being said, that there are, we must understand that there are two Americas, a white America and a black America. And that one is empowered and feeds off the other. That one is empowered and feeds off the other, and that in order for us to be successful, we must truly understand that we can't buy into any of the hoopla, any of the hype, that the only success for the African man and woman is to here and on the shores of North America is to create their own to practice self-determination. Well, we define, this is what we talk about in the Panther Party, the three Ds. Defy, defend, and develop. Where we define our own, uh, what it means, our own destiny. We, de- we, we define that. We define the African experience. We define what it means to be black here in this capitalistic, oppressive society, we define what self-determination and self-sufficiency looks like, where we want to go, what our success is. No longer will we rely on our oppressor to define success for us through material uh, gains and possessions, but that we will define what success looks like. And then we will develop that. We will develop the institutions that give us the know-how, that give us the training and the very things that we need, the programs that we excuse me that we need to um, um, bring to fruition the very thing that we do. Excuse me, the very thing that we defined. And then once those things are up, this is why it's in this order. Define it. We must define what it looks like. We must develop it. And then we defend it. 
and then we defend it. I think that that's one of the biggest things a lot of us forget when we look at the third development Panthers, what um, whom some of us call the original Panthers, was they didn't just step out with the shotguns, that they were defending the institutions that they developed, that they had programs, and they were defending them, and they were defending the black community because the black community was their power base. Many of us haven't made the community, our power base, spread on war, our defense. They have been bought over. They have bought into the program of white America. They have become dependent upon white America's programs. So when we come in the name of defending them, they look at us as troublemakers. They don't want us in their community. They don't want us messing with it. They mean, you're going to mess it up for us. Because they haven't bought into the idea of self-sufficiency and self-determination. And until we get our people to buy into their own liberation struggle and their own fight, what are you defending? You can't defend the people that don't want to be defended. You can't defend the people that don't see themselves oppressed. So the only thing that we're doing at that point is putting on a show. When all the people come out and see you with your guns and stuff like that, and you stand around with your guns, they're not coming out in support. They're coming out to see how many young niggas get shot. That's all. You can't defend the people that don't want to be defended. But once you give them these programs, once you give them institutions, to to um, build on that are life-changing and life-altering, then you will find these people defending it with their very lives. Then you will find these people defending it with their very lives. With that, brothers and sisters, I thank you as always. It has been wonderful coming to you again on this Monday. Um, being able to speak with you, being able to share with you. It's, I'm your brother, Chairman Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party, Independent Black Talk Radio. And I leave you as I greeted you with all powers to the people, African power to an African people, and black power.